This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Our guest is a clinical psychologist whose latest venture is a children's book designed to help children cope with unexpected change, stress and worry. Jackie Maguire's book, When the Wind Blew, illustrated by Charlotte Shrivers, if I pronounce that right, introduces a series of practical psychological tools for little people with big feelings, from marriage separation to relocation, transition to a new school, the arrival of a new sibling, or indeed the changes wrought by COVID-19, being sent home from school. The book introduces a series of practical psychological tools that can help children and their families cope more effectively. Jackie Maguire is with me in the in the Wellington studio. Good morning. Lovely to have you Thank here. Thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. And this is a delightful book. What moved you to um, team up with an illustrator and do this? What was the, what's the need you're seeing? Well, the, the story just, I dreamed it and it came to my mind one morning and I wrote it. So, you know, from a how did the words get into my head, they, I just woke up with them. But in terms of looking at our communities, looking at the need for supporting young people, supporting their well-being, this book really at a psychological level teaches emotion regulation. How do we help young people know they're having feelings? be able to work out where those feelings have come from and why, and then if they're unhelpful, having very effective skills to be able to dial them down. When you look at the World Health Organisation's research around supporting wellbeing, when you talk to New Zealand academics like Professor Richie Poulton around what's important for mental health in young people, emotion regulation often comes at the top of the list. But how well do we teach it? It's not mandated in our curriculum. How well do parents know how to share that with their kids? Well, that's variable depending on your education and experience and perhaps your own therapy journey as a parent in terms of how much you know. And so for me, I just have a a real belief that wellbeing isn't a privilege and we should be absolutely sharing these skills with families. I recall Richie Poulton talking about the masses of evidence coming out of the longitudinal study and emotion regulation was actually one of the key for successes to life. And that's, you know, something we need to be able to cope with through life, appropriately manage our feelings and our responses to them. At what stage of child development does the ability for emotional regulation begin to happen? Sort of around... You can be doing that at ECE, three and four-year-olds. Yeah, around you three can and four-year-olds. You can be teaching them how yeah. to emotionally regulate. Because before that, we certainly see that age we associate with let it all hang out, baby, which yeah. is the, the tantrum <laughs> stage. Yeah, um, you're but, terrible twos. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the other thing that occurs to me before we get into the details is... This is it is emotion regulation, but it's we often think of that as how do I react when a child annoys me? I'm not allowed to bite or scratch, but actually it's about the anxiety and uncertainty that all of us carry in in transitional times, and it's about being able to manage, you know, your personal reactions, internal reactions, as much as how you react to someone else. Absolutely, and I think that's part of emotion regulation is how you do that internal processing. Mm. And for me, I wanted to normalise for children that when we are facing really tough times or change, that emotions like sadness and worry and anger, and there's more, but that's the ones that are listed in the book, are normal. And the second component to this for me was, and I talk about, 
children finding their superpowers, all of the main character finds her superpowers to help calm herself with those emotions. That I really believe that we need to be empowering young people with the belief that they can manage and they can cope. We're having almost an epidemic of anxiety amongst our young people and we kind of know why. We've got some hints why. They live such a scrutinised life, for mm-hmm. example. So so we know that children are having very real physical and psychological res- responses and, again, this is why this is so important mm. right from a young age. The feelings are normal mm-hmm. and you can be a bit of a boss as to, as to, as to what happens with them. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Orla. Uh, and the age that she is, your key character. Yes. Let's start with that, and then we might talk about a bit older or a bit sure. younger. But what? Tell me about Orla and what's going on for her. So Orla is my actual daughter, who's currently 19 months old. But in this book, it's her in the future. And she's depicted as probably an eight-year-old, I would say. And this story really has been written for for primary kids. And I've been surprised that some quite bright four-year-olds have got it. So actually children a bit younger than I imagined are reading and understanding and using the techniques. But I've also had emails from parents of 10-year-olds. So, you know, really it's through through primary but in the pictures she's about eight and so what gives a little bit of a plot run through what happens in order for her to need to find her in a superpower yeah so this this is a story of a of a typical kiwi girl who has her favorite friends and her favorite things and her routines and she goes to sleep one night and a big storm comes and she wakes up and the world has turned inside out and upside down and when parents read this, they will absolutely guess that I wrote this after lockdown. There's no, there's, you know, there is a, a COVID a flavour through it. It's yeah. a big storm, and it's called the Rona Wind in this book, yeah. and, and so you know, perhaps that's my limited creativity. But, yeah. but, but it really does pertain to when you wake up and your world is different, which can come from any change. Then what do we start to feel? It talks about the roller coaster emotions that run through Orla's body, and. It's a story of how her parents teach her that she has superpowers to uh, control or calm the angry sparks that rush her th- through her body, the worried butterflies that sit in her tummy, the sad blue cloud that that sits above her head. And through using her superpowers and working out that she does have an ability to dial those down, it then shows that actually with change, if we can manage our emotions, there are often opportunities to find silver linings. So it's important to be able to name and describe those emotions and the different emotions, and you do that with, you know, the the the, the blue, sad, the sadness sitting as a cloud above your head, and um, the angry red sparks in her cheeks. So, the first thing to be able to do is for children to be able to identify what their different feelings are. Ah, yes, yeah. that's that's the first component. There's three components to emotion regulation, and that's one. And when we look through the research, using imagery is extremely helpful for young people. So, as a parent, as a teacher, as a grandparent. You know, even when you're having an emotion yourself, can you use language to describe that to your children? I'm feeling really uh, disappointed and I can tell that because my tummy feels like it's dropped because I feel heavy in my shoulders. When you can use language to describe how your body's feeling uh, with that emotion, that helps to pick up that emotional literacy. Butterflies Butterflies in my chest are sore. What about between the ears? Um, getting all muddly, you know, getting all muddly and, you know, when you're struggling to actually concentrate and focus, how do you talk about, and we all have that going on, you yeah. know, how do you talk about um, confused thoughts 
sure. um, and internal thoughts. Well, every emotion will have a physical component to it, which is kind of what we were describing. It will have a cognitive component. So whether that's I get muddly in my thoughts, whether that's I can't think about anything else, I'm hooked on my thinking. Yep. You know, it's really about can you use your metaphorical language to help to help show that with uh, young people. There'll then be the feeling component of that, and then there's the behavioural component. You know, so as a parent, which is kind of going down this the next layers of emotion regulation once I've named it, if I can then work out where I'm from, where it's come from, the third bit is what do I do about it? And so if I can say as a parent to my, you know, to my young person in my house, I'm feeling really disappointed I was looking forward to going to visit Nanny and Granddad and now we can't because we're going into lockdown, you know describing all my uh, experiences I'm having then I might say I'm going to go for a walk around the block so I can feel calm. And then when I come back, why don't we plan what we could do instead this weekend? And so again, it's that out-verbalising, role-modelling, my calming strategy and my helpful thing of what I need to do. The superpower concept, is this a way of communicating to a child that you actually have some tools you can use but you don't know it yet? And this is an exciting way of saying, hey, look, we can engage these um, things we've got that can help us make feel better and make us feel better and, and help us manage. It's a, you know, what are the superpowers? Yeah, abs- absolutely. The superpowers are: I want every young person to grow up with self-belief that they have got the ability to manage what happens in their life. Doesn't mean they have to do it alone. We want young people to have support, and that's written in the story with mum and dad helping her to practice her superpowers. But I also think in our day and age, Catherine, sometimes as parents, we so don't want our children to be sad or upset or angry that we jump in and fix problems too fast for them. We dismiss emotions. Oh, you don't need to feel like that. You know, you should feel like this instead. It will be okay. And whilst all of those uh, sayings or the avoidance of the acknowledgement come from very good intention partly what that message can provide to a young person is I don't think you can manage or I need to manage for you and so the using the superpowers is the fun, exciting, it's cool to be able to know that I can actually manage this myself. So what this is doing is showing a child's agency Uh, and an an interesting point you make there, it's very important to acknowledge how they feel, even if you're going to try and move them on Absolutely. You first acknowledge how they feel You name it to tame it first. But but what you're (laughs) emphasising is this is the child's toolkit Correct. and not you doing it for them no. all the time. You're helping them learn yes. the, the toolkit. Okay. And we want adults to role model that mm. because the best way we learn is by seeing other people do it. So role modelling is critical in parenting. So use the techniques as an adult and, and become, you know, as, more, as you use them more, they almost become the family's way of being. So when we are angry, these are the range of tools that we've got to help control that. If we're sad, these are our tools. Um, but absolutely, it is as a young person, you can use these effectively. What do we do for anger? What are some of the basics? Count to ten is a good lesson for all of us, <laughs> but what, we literally do it with our fingers, yeah. right? So so one of the things in here is to, to skip really fast, and that could be any exercise, but when we exercise to make us puff, we release endorphins and we release serotonin. That helps our body calm. So that is an antidote to anger. 
oxytocin, one of the strategies in here is give Ted the dog a cuddle. A cuddle. And mm. so when we cuddle pets or when we spend time with pets, often that's very calming for children because oxytocin is released. That's your hug drug. It's a calming drug. So it's almost can you induce a positive emotion as a young person, which is the antidote to the anger. Because what we're talking about, the fight or, fight, fight or flight response is typically cortisol, adrenaline, all the ramp you up chemicals. Correct. So then you're looking for the other chemicals that, that help you calm. help us bring us back into balance. So okay. another easy strategy there, Catherine, is to run your wrists under cold water. And this is one that often adults and children find fun and helpful. Why that's important, it activates your vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve releases oxytocin. It controls the recovery system in your body. So again, it's calming. So every strategy that is linked to how Orla uses her superpowers to calm the angry sparks is using a neurochemical system process to calm. Laughter, and it can be hard to find laughter in the moment, but if you can move to a point where something funny happens or distract and something funny happens, again, that laughter releases chemicals. Correct. Okay. So that's the angry. Now, what about the scared and the butterflies and the ooh, the freeze part of the yeah. fight or flight? And so, again, when you look at worry and anxiety and you think about fight or flight, there are many physiological uh, components to that and cognitive. The cognitive, as you were speaking, Catherine, is I might start ruminating on those worries and I can't unhook myself. I go over and over and over and over my worries. And so there's a strategy in here teaching children, and grown-ups find it quite useful too, to use a worry jar, which helps, it's a process that helps children boundary how much time they're spending on their worry. And it provides a process of actually problem-solving. Is this worry in my control or not? If it isn't in my control, then I can't do anything about it, put it to the side. If it is, how do I problem solve around that, for example? And that that's an exercise that's useful for mum or dad or it's nan to sit with idea. them. It's such a good idea. Then um, ruminating, I remember having a conversation with someone once who was deep and you know, had a big issue going on and was just not sleeping and everything. I said, look... I know I've had a conversation with my brain before and said, we'll be back to discuss this another time. Right yeah. now I'm taking a break. Yeah, <laughs> I need a so break. that's a diffusion technique. So the brain wants to keep going at this, and what you're saying is you will get your time, but right now we're taking a break. Yeah, the so worry I'm jar. in control, exactly. not you. Exactly, we'll be back to this later. So the worry jar is literally a place to put it. Is it also a management mechanism? Because when you make a list... What happens when you don't have a list of something? Your brain's going, don't Correct. forget this, don't forget that, it's don't forget this, don't forget space. Exactly. So this is about managing whatever it is that's occupying time in your brain. Um, what do you With the worry jar, do you write it and do you come back and get it out again later? Or is yeah, it just, so, so, you so if you have a worry during the day, you put it in the worry jar. Yeah. You then have a designated time every day. So to it might be 4.30 every afternoon. You get 20 minutes to sit with whoever and look at the worries in your How worry clever. jar. And you know what? I reckon half of them won't be worries anymore. No, and when they're not, <laughs> they get to come out of the jar. And so it's that's kind of the, also so the control component of it. It's so clever. It really is. Okay. Um, there's also some physical exercises yes. for, for worry. Did we do that as well? Because you do yes. freeze, don't you? So, so part of anxiety can be it changes your breathing. So this talks about breathing from your belly, which is diaphragmatic breathing, and, there's, and it teaches children how to do that. But it's also uh, showcasing progressive muscle relaxation. So if you've got a young person or an adult that has worries often, 
a, a physiological reaction to worry is to tense because your body is preparing to fight or freeze or to run away. And so moving through your body, body component by body component, body part by body part, tensing and releasing, helps to relax your muscles. And what that does is it sends a signal to your brain going, hey Jackie, why are you anxious but your muscles are all floppy? You know, they're not congruent. And so that's again an evidence-based strategy useful for decreasing the physiological aspect of anxiety and it's very helpful before bed okay uh now the sad um this is so like our 10 o'clock which was for grown-ups but um the sadness side of things how again do we help regulate um, an emotion that everybody feels but again can overwhelm if you don't have some skills what are some of the tips so again partly just acknowledging the fact that you're sad helps to decrease the intensity of the sadness and i i slipped in there earlier before when you name it you tame it and so for children it's things like can they draw their sadness can they draw their sadness so in here it's can you draw the sad cloud turning into the rainbow is the image that i've used so that is a strategy for children but it's also can we then again induce some positive emotion so it might be uh, going and playing with a friend it might be sitting down with mum or dad and saying what are three good things that have happened today can you name that and so if we're able to pull our brain into some of the positive that's happened not being Pollyanna not trying to get children to suppress their sadness but in other ways trying to help them boost the amount of positive frequency they've had in their day that helps mediate the intensity of the sadness and then later in the book we've just repeat some of these um, superpowers the belly breathing the worry jar the progressive muscle um, relaxation all all the way through Um, I mentioned age Uh, you can start with you know as you said um, kids at early childhood education with with the basics of this? With the basics, yeah, and I think it all depends on how you communicate. So a three-year-old is going to have a different level of cognitive understanding to an eight-year-old, but it's just using that appropriate lang- language with them. So, you know, you might do a lot of uh, descriptive language with a with a young child and then focus on the behaviours. So rather than helping them to kind of on- understand the cognitive component of it, you know, you can teach a three-year-old to lie on the floor and breathe from their belly. You can teach a three-year-old that actually if we're feeling really cross why don't we go and sprint as fast as we can and who can be the winner you know and that gets their endorphins going and so with young young children you can do those things older age children i guess we get to a level with complexity and we all know this that fight or flight system gets a bit overcooked mm-hmm. it gets harder and harder for simple things to, to to help manage um and if you've got children perhaps with more experience dream experience of anxiety or of emotions uh, perhaps from life events can the basics be ramped up at all or um, what what happens then? I think the basics are always helpful Mm. but if you've got a young person that has had significant things happen in their life and and where uh, that is now having an impact on their daily living then my book is not the solution to that. It's helpful, and it's Mm. helpful to do those strategies, but you may need external support, and that's completely okay. A psychologist that that sits down with you or a a therapist and and helps you work through things will use these as part of their work with you, but an older child may need more of that talking therapy and that processing uh, alongside of these. Generally, are you and other professionals seeing more anxiety and stress? Are they more frequent or more intense in children in practice? Yes. Since lockdown or going back further? Going back further. Yeah. 
And what is your hypothesis on it? I think there's many. I think uh, the world of technology overwhelm busyness contributes yeah. to that. Uh, when you look at the research, anxiety is increasing in young girls. Yeah. I think that, again, is also the bullying component around online. Uh, you now can't come home and be Get safe away from because it, it follows yeah. you home. I think we've got... Uh, socio-economic society where you now have two parents that often have to work and so there isn't perhaps a stable figure at home after school all the time and that's just the reality of families having to survive but parent, uh, but children might not have their parents around as much so that they can pay the mortgage. Um, I think also we potentially live in a world where we are um, protecting our young people too much. Mm. They're not actually having the opportunity to go out, try things, fail at them, work it out how to do it. You know, they're potentially more sheltered than my generation and your generation. They're more sheltered and they're more exposed. Yes, yes. It's a terrible combination. Yes, really, more exposed to the... Yeah. You know, to the to the difficult components of life without perhaps the ability. Yeah, it's that lack of a break. And again, you know, wonderful advice. And as we mentioned, all is probably around eight. But you come back again, getting away from those damn devices and getting away from the always on. Yeah. Um, because that system is so powerful. That mm. fight or flight system. Those chemicals are powerful. When they get locked on, they have real impacts. This isn't just a you know, a, a psychological or an emotional thing. It's hugely physiological, mm. that system. So we really need to think about the whole package. It's interesting. We? I was sitting with a, a colleague yesterday, and I learn new things every day too, and he reminded me of a um, compassion-focused therapy approach to our body, which is you've got your threat system, which we're talking yes. about here. Yes. You also have your drive system, which is your dopamine, you're mm. wanting to achieve. If you're sitting on a video game and you're getting dopamine hits, your drive you your system is, is on. Mm-hmm. And then you have your calming system. Mm. And so I think what we're seeing these days is the threat and the drive is on a lot. But if we're not using our calming system, it's like if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm. And so that we need to ramp up. So these strategies help with the calming system. But sitting down and having dinner as a family and having the time and space to do that is, is activating your calming system. Being in nature, being away from looking at technology. Screen, correct. And physically playing. experiencing nature, playing, laughing, yes. creating, all these things. Uh, we actually have to schedule them. The other thing that occurs to me is athletes know a lot of this stuff. Athletes have regulated quite extreme emotions yes. and fears and anxieties all these years. And these systems aren't kooky-wooky. They're just utilised by, by, by people who have been privileged for many years. And yes. you're right. Every, every kid has the right to learn yeah. as best they can um, learn to be in charge of, of, of how they feel and have these tools. It's great. Thank you, Jackie. Where can people find When the Wind Blew? So the easiest way to buy it is through my website, which is jackiemaguire.co.nz, and then it is scattered through bookshops throughout New Zealand. Um, you but, can Google search. And but probably, the most yeah. direct way uh, to get from my garage to your letterbox... <laughs> It's jackiemaguire.co.nz. All right, I think we've got a link there. We have. Thanks very much. And the illustrator is Charlotte Shrivers. Thank you, Jackie.